Aloha, this is Abe's Ukulele Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This episode is number five and the final episode of the Allegheny Ukulele Soiree Special. I had a lot of fun putting these together and talking with these amazing people. And today might be the best one, actually. I know I said I really enjoyed talking with everyone. It's really hard to pick what the best one is. But honestly, it's got to be this one because if you want to know what goes on behind the scenes, uh, what goes on putting a club together or a ukulele festival, this is the episode to listen to. Before we get into it, I have to say congratulations to Abby's mom and Ritesh for winning the crystal colored Koloha strings. They are on their way. Thank you for your reviews and for reaching out. Uh, I drew the names randomly and it was you. Just as a reminder, this is a monthly podcast and uh, this one's a little bit late because of last month and my schedule, but to get the most up-to-date notifications, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And this podcast is directly supported by listeners like you over at patreon.com slash ukuleleabe. Huge thank you to my newest patrons, John K., Mika C., and Mikey N. You guys are awesome. So today's episode, I am sharing a conversation I had with Mike Holzer. You might not know who that is unless you're from Altoona and you play the ukulele. But let me just say that Mike is such an awesome guy and a great promoter of the ukulele. If you ever get a chance around April or May to be in Pennsylvania, stop by the soiree. Or actually, maybe buy tickets beforehand. I think that's better. Yeah, they sell out, so you're going to have to move quickly on this, okay? Well, without further ado, here it is. Mike Holzer is a serial hobbyist who came down with a terrible case of UAS, or Ukulele Acquisition Syndrome. It's that disease where you have to buy a new ukulele every time you get the chance. <laughs> anyway, Mike has been playing since 2012 and is both the festival director of the Allegheny Ukulele Soiree and the chief uk evangelist of the Allegheny Ukulele Collective. Mike has taught basic ukulele skills to hundreds of players over the years and is always willing to share the secrets of running a uke club. So I'm here once again at the Allegheny Ukulele Soiree, and this time I'm sitting down with Mike, the director and chief ukulele evangelist. evangelist. <laughs> I wanted to get that right. Um, thanks for sitting down, Mike. Thanks. This is great. And thanks for inviting me, of course. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm glad you were able to make it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun so far. Um, so how did you get sucked into putting this together? So the soiree actually started out as a one day um, festival, not even a whole day. It was like six hours. It was from like 10 to four mm -hmm. um, on our local Penn State campus. Okay. And the idea was to kind of recruit new potential players for our ukulele club. Oh, okay. 
Um, our u- local ukulele club is the Allegheny Ukulele Collective, mm-hmm. um, of which, as you mentioned, I am the chief ukulele evangelist. And um, so it was a, like I said, it was a six hour event and we just had club members teach the workshop. So we had like a really basic ukulele workshop. Here's how you hold it. Here are your first three chords, mm-hmm. things like that. Then we had a um, kind of a kid's jam Mm-hmm. Where we had one of the um, club members, you know, teach like two, one and two chord songs to kids. And yeah. One that showed up. Then we had someone who was a more accomplished musician and taught like, I think he did like claw hammer okay. strumming style. Mm. Um, and I, I think there was also a real basic finger picking class that mm-hmm. year. Um, and it went over really, really well. And I can't remember. I think we had one vendor that year, just mm-hmm. a local music store. And they were able to donate a... Um, Kala, um, something, something or other. <laughs> and for a raffle and, you know, we, we raffled yeah. it off and it was great. And we had a lot of fun and we ended up a lot of our, um, core members. Now we picked up from that first festival. Oh, okay. Um, and then we decided to do it again and we thought, mm-hmm. you know, we could probably justify making it a whole day. And we had the great idea to invite in, a performer or two. Mm-hmm. So we figured out what we thought we could charge. And then we invited um, Stu Fuchs and Victoria Vox and Colin Coleman. And we had a really good time. And both mm-hmm. of, and both Stu and Victoria taught um, a few workshops. They also taught a, a separate master class. We mm-hmm. priced that a little bit differently. And we had about 100 people that showed up that wow. year. And that was a really good time. Mm-hmm. And we had a few vendors that year. And we also had, oh, I forgot. The first two years, we also had a um, film series that went along oh, with it. And okay. we showed, like, The Mighty Uke mm-hmm. and um, some of the other Uke documentaries, mm-hmm. that, The Jumping Flea and a few others. And yeah. then we also had a concept, which we don't do at the festival, at the soiree anymore, but we still do it for other things, um, a ukulele petting zoo. Oh, Basically, we would bring um, different ukuleles, different sizes, shapes Mm -hmm. of interest to some people and put them out and let people try them. Because how often does a person get to play a trahalope or, Mm -hmm. you know, anything weird like that? Um, At the time, flukes were very uncommon. So what's a trahalope? A trahalope is a novelty uke from like the 60s. It was one of those surf ukes that have the really, really long Mm. um, headstock that the, the theory was that, you know, you could play to your beach babe and then shove it in the sand and go surfing. And, <laughs> um, they were, you know, fairly cheaply made and mm-hmm. they're not uh, very common anymore, especially with all the original parts, but they're mm-hmm. still really neat to look at. And, yeah. um, one of our, the guy who started the Ute club actually had, you know, it, it was a wall hanger you couldn't mm-hmm. play it, but he had one and it was really neat. And we brought flukes and, you know, um, banjo ukes and mm-hmm. a bunch of different stuff. And it was neat to just be able to come and try yeah, the different things. Like try them out. That's cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah, we had a concert that year and it went really, really well. Hmm. And then from there, it just, it kind of grew. We decided we were ready to take it to a multi-day festival and mm-hmm. just add artists. And yeah. Now we're in our fifth year and getting ready for our sixth year. And it's, it's exciting. It is exciting. I never thought I would have my own ukulele festival. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. I would say, well, technically it's my first. Um, I've been to uh, the James Hill workshops. Mm -hmm. It's basically just for teachers to get better at teaching. It's very specific, but um, 
So this is, if you don't know, um, there's a lot of workshops for all sorts of things, whether it's chords or playing past the third fret, mm-hmm. uh, music theory, all sorts of things. And then there's concerts. Is it every night that there's a concert? Right. So we ha- so our festival format is Friday night is kind of like the mm-hmm. opening reception meet and greet thing. And then we have a uh, concert that night. And then Saturday is a full day of workshops topped off with a concert. And then Sunday has... Um, just workshops that mm-hmm. day because by you know the time the end of the festival rolls around most people are pretty tired exhausted <laughs> and we have um uh two open mics uh in there as well as along with a whole bunch of jam sessions kind mm-hmm. of sprinkled throughout hmm. do you get a lot of time this year or any other previous year to actually teach and play so this year I decided I did want to teach a workshop. Um, I taught um, how to jam, which was part mm-hmm. of our beginner track. And it the intent of it was to give new and beginning players an experience jamming, kind of a controlled, um, informative session, mm-hmm. um, giving people a background in what to do and what to expect and how to read song sheets, be it you know mm-hmm. projected or in a songbook. Mm-hmm. Um, based on how we jam at our club. Yeah. Um, so it's not representative of all jams, just how we typically do things mm-hmm. here. So were you, when you started this thing, were you inspired by other workshops you've been to, or is it just a club experience that you're, you, you were coming from? So this is, um, to be completely honest, other than a, um, I've never been to another Uke festival other than okay. my own. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of shameful to admit. Um, I don't know. there's not. a, there's a, there's a one day thing, um, about three hours from here called the ukulele, ukulele harmonic conversions in Lancaster mm-hmm. PA. And I've been to that a couple of years, but they started that after okay. I'd already done mine. And that's actually just a day long jam as opposed mm-hmm. to a festival. Um, we have a bunch of members in our club that do go out and like, travel all over and go to things but and they bring back ideas to me i mm-hmm. completely mean to get out there mm-hmm. eventually um but with uh you know my home life and everything it's very difficult yeah. for me to get out for a weekend um sure, yeah. but this whole festival thing just kind of grew out of a club recruit mm-hmm. recruitment event which is mm-hmm. crazy to think that's pretty awesome it's just like you wanted to start a club and then now, uh, yep. now and, you have this. And now I have this. <laughs> and what's funny is most of our attendees come from more than two hours away. So we're not even attracting oh. local people to our club. So your club's not working out. <laughs> no, the club's fine. It's just the soirees and the recruiting event that it you know yeah. was supposed to be. Um, no, this year we had people uh, who, were re- who registered to come from California and wow. Georgia and Tennessee. And uh, I think it was Toronto. Is there Toronto or... Um, yeah, I think it was Toronto mm-hmm. and upstate New York and obviously Connecticut. <laughs> and so it's wow. it's yeah. crazy how many people from all over the region want to come to our festival. Mm-hmm. It, it blows me away. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really humbled and just, I don't want to say shocked because I think it's a pretty good festival. Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 really cool for mm-hmm. something that, you know, I put together with the help of my club to grow into what it has become. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like an awesome festival. Um, and of course it's, you know, the numbers don't lie. It's packed. 
this year. Right. We had to so turn people away. So. We did. We this so the facility we're in this year has if it was a dining room has a maximum capacity of I think like two hundred and twenty five people mm-hmm. seated at you know dining tables and things like that. Unfortunately, the way we use the space, we have a maximum capacity of 150 people. And this mm-hmm. year we we ended up at just under that. I think it's like mm-hmm. 146 or 47 mm-hmm. people. And there were you know, dozens of people I had to turn away this year. Wow. So we're looking forward to next year and we're going to move into a larger venue, okay, which we're so pretty excited about. Okay, here next year. It, you know, I love, I love this venue. It's gorgeous. And you've but, been here. And we've been here for okay. three years, yeah. but we've, we've outgrown it. Um, a lot of our repeat uh, attendees have agreed with us that it's time to move on. <laughs> um, we'll miss it, but we're, we're ready to take the festival to the Are next you step. Bring the foxes with you. <sighs> I don't know if Abe <laughs> talked about these foxes in this room, but there's interesting taxidermy in here. Um, and no, we, and, and, uh, the butlers knew that it wasn't here before. There's oh, okay. this, I don't know if anyone else described it in any of the other episodes, but there's this smarmy looking red coat <laughs> butler with a frilly mm-hmm. uh, dicky and holding a tray. And it's, it's weird. It's like a caricature of a caricature. Yeah. No, unfortunately for, we don't have to take those with us. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> I don't know if you want all of it. Yeah. Uh, someone was telling me that it used to be uh, a fox, a, stuffed fox it used to be right next to the door and as she walked in it was very frightening as you can imagine <laughs> yes the fox he's talking the taxidermy piece he's talking about is a fox mid stride <laughs> on a rock with a squirrel in its mouth perfectly balanced perfectly balanced paw. yep it's like you took a photo of a fox you know Running with a squirrel in its mouth. Except you can pet it. Except you, oh, I don't, I don't know why you'd want it to even touch it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so back to <laughs> the festival. Yes. It, I guess it seems like we need more festivals in general. Mm. If you have people, I mean, maybe your festival is just so special that people will come from so far away. But it seems like in the ukulele world, we just need more in general. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? Is that really exciting or is it just like? It is exciting. Um, what, you know, while I love, so my, my philosophy is the more ukulele players, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, our club is about 30 people, give or take. And we've kind of branched out to small, you know, kind of nucleic groups in the region. So like we have, we, our club actually just recently established a chapter about 40 miles North of us in state college. Okay. Um, and they, their jams get are on alternate weeks from ours. So like mm-hmm. the Altoona group gets together on the second and fourth Sundays and the state college group gets together on the third and mm-hmm. first, first and thirds. So technically our club jams every week mm. and we've reached out to other groups who are starting like their own little clubs and things like that. And mm-hmm. like, you know, they're very small, but it's um, reaching out to other groups to start more things like this is really one of our driving mm-hmm. um, goals. And that's awesome. Yeah, sounds like you got a pretty good team too. I do. I have about uh, four people who really help me out with everything on the club. And can I, can I name drop them? Sure. All right. So I have. Uh, so my my second in command is Louise Troxel, and as I mentioned, she was one of the people who came to the very first soiree and just kind mm-hmm. of got sucked up in our madness. <laughs> And then I also have Milani Ramsey, who 
is a children's librarian mm. and was very instrumental in our um, ukulele lending library program, yeah, yeah. Uh, which we could talk about in a little mm-hmm. bit. Sure. Um, and then I also have um, Dave Thompson, who just kind of, I think, I think he just kind of showed up at a jam out of the blue one day and has really just become a really important part of mm-hmm. the team. And I have a handful of other people. And uh, specifically at the soiree, I have um, Adam Biesinger and Christy Myers who run our front desk and they are all rock stars at mm-hmm. taking care of this. I mean, I can just worry about making sure the artists have what they need and the vendors have what they mm-hmm. need. And Christy and Adam are able to take care of everything else with all of our attendees and That's great. handle everything except for like the, the worst, you mm-hmm. know, problems, which we haven't had any bad problems. So <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask it. I mean, cause it's going to get bigger. You're mm-hmm. moving. So it sounds like you might have more stress, but I think, I think it'll be all right. I think it'll be all right. It's, I, I have it. I don't want to say I have it down to a science, but I have a extremely long list of things that need okay. to get done for any given soiree, mm-hmm. and I have a rough date of when it needs to happen, and mm-hmm. I have a checkoff date for it. Yeah. So it helps me keep on track throughout the year. It takes me about, I'm going to say about nine months to get everything wow. planned out, and it's not nine months of constant work, but it's like. You know, Nine months of a 24 seven. Yeah, not quite that bad. Um, but it's, you know, it's like, you know, starting in the summer, we'll start picking, you know, the artists that we would like to invite. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in by the end of the summer, we'll, in, you know, invite them or at least see if they're interested. Yeah. And then we'll, you know, once we know who the artists are going to be, we'll invite vendors mm-hmm. and accept vendor applications. And then we'll late October, early November is typically when we open up registration and then, you know, and then it just kind of flows from there. There's things that happen. Like, you know, we have to have our poster designed and our Mm -hmm. logo and all that. That's awesome. So we're talking about festivals. Why, why do I want to come to a festival? What, why, why do you want to come to a festival? Like what, what can we get out of festivals? So a festival is a great way to have, essentially multiple master classes mm. all in one day or a weekend, mm-hmm. or in some cases a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we, especially at our festival, we bring in touring musicians who are fairly well known, whose entire career is based on their ukulele musicians. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, and they come in and they can, perf- they perform for us and then they sh- teach you what they know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our performers are fantastic instructors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really wonderful to see all the things they know. For instance, um, this year we have um, Craig Chi and Sarah Maisel, and both mm-hmm. of them are wonderful instructors. Um, Sarah teaches a great course on um, learning ukulele, to play the ukulele above the third fret, mm-hmm. um, which when you're starting out, you know, you stay in the C, G7, yeah. F area, but you don't really venture any further down than that. Mm-hmm. And she teaches a really, really good course on learning some of the movable shapes to be able to utilize some of those um, shapes so you get more sounds, mm-hmm. which even if you just take back to your own jams, it just adds a whole new dimension to the music yeah. you're able to make. Mm. Um, and beyond the artists um being able to learn from them if you're in the market for a new ukulele the vendor room can't be beat Mm -hmm. um 
I mean, if you walk in a room, there are probably a hundred different ukuleles you could pick from today. Mm -hmm. um, you need a new ukulele strap. You need a Hawaiian style ribbon lay. We, we've got you yeah. covered in I our mean, From room. my personal uh, experience, there's not a lot of stores around me where I can get my hands on many different kinds. A lot of times there'll be one brand, mm -hmm. maybe two. And if once you know a lot about ukuleles, and you turn to a snob like me, you start to look down on certain brands. Um, I mean, if they're all great, but the point is having all that stuff, like you said, the vendor room, just being able to get your hands on instruments, right. that's where you know that the instrument is good. If you just buy it off the internet, it might not work for you, mm -hmm. but when you can play it, uh, and then of course, this year, there's straps that are the size for the ukulele. Yes. If you try guitar straps, it's not really going to work. Yeah, they're, you can they're make it work, too thick and yeah, they're thick, really, really too long. long. Um, but yeah, it's awesome being able to see all that stuff in there. Of course, gig bags. I see the fusion bags all over the place. Yeah. You should sell fusion bags next year. I don't, can, know, I don't know. I don't know if you can get them. a vendor in to do it. I mean, I, I have no interest I, in I think they're based in the store. UK, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a ukulele festival can be like a ukulele megastore. Mm hmm. If you're if you're into that, yeah. um, if not, if you're just kind of into looking around, then at a festival like this, you can see what everybody else has. People mm -hmm. will bring, you know, you know, two, two, maybe three ukes. And depending on which workshop they're doing, they'll swap out their ukes. So yeah. if you see something, you know, you've never seen in person before, mm -hmm. most people are willing to let you try their ukes. Like I saw someone with a um, very, very nice tenor Martin today and i honestly never seen a martin um, tenor you can person mm. um people you know if you're into kamakas or any of the k brands mm -hmm. you know ukulele festival is a good place to get to see one and if you know the mm -hmm. person's nice enough or generous enough they'll let you try yeah. it and you can be like oh this is beautiful mm. and um mim one of the vendors here mm -hmm. she has a, a red label koloha mm. <sighs> that thing is yep. gorgeous yeah <laughs> Mim's great. Mim's been uh, our, she, so this is her third year vending with us. Mm -hmm. um, since we moved to the new, um, uh, the new venue um, where we are now, uh, she's been with us and just brings, um, I think she has two tables worth of ukes this year. Mm -hmm. You know, one is her. Looks like three, but I don't it know. Might, it might even be three. <laughs> I don't even know how many it's tables she has. But she, Mim brings a car full of ukes. And it's it's mm -hmm. crazy how many ukes she brings in. And she's yeah. so personable. And she sets up your ukes for you. Mm -hmm. um, and she's, she's great. We love having her here. Yeah. it's So there's a lot there. Um, I kind of already personally know what the point of a festival is. But just to dare to sum it up. A festival is a great place to try new ukuleles, whether you're going to buy or just try someone else's. It's a great way to learn a lot more about how you can get better. It's also a great way to see other people play mm -hmm. and hear the ukulele played in ways that you might not be able to see. Right. Uh, it's one thing to see and listen to things on the internet mm -hmm. or on your phone or wherever, but to see it in person is completely different. Right. Um, especially... You know, I just realized one of the best things about a festival is if you see someone amazing playing, you can probably ask them right after or in their class or whenever, you know. Um, all of the presenters this year are very personable as mm -hmm. well. They're very approachable. It's a kind of a small area, mm -hmm. so it's not like they have yeah. a huge crowd for, following them everywhere. Right. And you can just, you know. For better or for worse, the our festival format kind of dictates that our uh, – 
performer instructors kind of have to mingle with everybody else. So no, that's good. They, it's not like we have them kept up in, you know, a white tower where they descend <laughs> to the mortals to teach and yeah. to perform. <laughs> no, they, they all hang out with mm-hmm. us and um, eat meals with the rest of us mm-hmm. and hang out. Yeah, and, I don't know if there is an ukulele player anywhere that does that, like, you know, mm-hmm. distances themselves. Um, yeah, generally even like Jake and uh, James Hill, they'll, they'll yeah. stay after concerts and just meet oh, everybody. And it's like, I know you have a busy schedule. You know, I don't really know what it's like. I know you're traveling all the time mm-hmm. and everybody's bothering you for everything, you know, like what strings do you use or whatever. I don't know. So that's a kind of incredible. Um, I don't know if I would like being that famous, but um, I think it's an interesting level of famous, though, because. You know, those of us in the ukulele world, we're like, whoa, it's Jake. But outside of the ukulele community, I'm not sure he has a whole lot of recognition. I mean, he's very well known in Japan, Mm -hmm. but like in the States, I'm not sure how, like if he was like, for instance, he was in state college in the fall and I was, you know, waiting to meet somebody for dinner and I'm just sitting there on the court and all of a sudden here comes Jake and his, you know, one mm-hmm. bandmate walking by and no one has any idea who he is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Jake. So <laughs> I said, hi, Jake, I'm going to see your show. And, and he, you know, told me where he was going for dinner. I'm like, oh yeah, you're going to like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, afterwards he, you know, I went up, like you said, I went up to meet him. He's like, oh yeah, you're right. That was a really good restaurant. Nice. And nobody else knew who he was. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's, you could be ukulele famous and be very successful and still yeah. kind of have the personal life, yeah. private life that you may want to have. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, he sells out rooms everywhere. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'll tell my friends, I got to meet him or I'm going to see him. And they're like, who? Yeah. <laughs> uh, even... You know, even some ukulele players don't know him, mm. but uh, they will. They will. They everybody will. will know Jake, <laughs> and everybody will know James. Their Hill. day will come, <laughs> where they will know. Um, so you mentioned something about ukuleles in a library yeah. program that you're doing. Could you tell me about sure. that? So, as I mentioned, one of my um, uh, biggest helps in our club is her name's Milani, and she's a children's librarian um, at a local library, and. When we first kind of, all right, so so we jam our every fourth Sunday at her library right now. Mm-hmm. Um, before Wait, we were jamming at a library? Yeah. Isn't that like not allowed? They have a community room. <laughs> Actually, we go back and forth between their community room and their kids' room. So mm. it's a good time. And, you know, sometimes they'll let the doors open and we'll play for the whole library. And sometimes they'll be like, you got to be quiet. Stop it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so before we made it to the library, we were always floating around on the fourth Sunday trying to find a place. Sometimes we'd be at the local university, but we'd get locked out of the Mm -hmm. building we had reserved. So we were looking for somewhere more permanent and Milani knew someone else in the club and they said, Hey, why don't you come jam at the library? Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll see if it works. And we did. And Milani happened to have been, or is a um, violist for the local symphony Mm. and teaches viola and was a music major and is very, very musically inclined and had as a children's librarian, had a ukulele, but didn't really do much with it. She Mm -hmm. used it for story time. And as we got to know each other, we kind of kicked around the idea, hey, it would be really cool to get some li- some ukes to the library for people to check out. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I don't even remember how this happened. Um, oh, I remember. So our second year of the soiree, I had sent an email to Ohana Ukuleles asking for a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And I never heard back. 
And I figured, eh, we're this dinky little thing. Nobody cares about us. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Whatever. About a year later, the owner of Ohana, Louis Wu, sent me an email and apologized for never getting back to me and asked me to tell him a little bit about our club and what we were doing. And I did. And very offhandedly, I mentioned that, you know, at some point we'd like to do this ukulele program, like have um, ukuleles in libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, we had seen other places like uh, I think the club in Tampa has a similar had a mm-hmm. similar program where they do that. And yeah. we saw some examples throughout the country. Like, I think that would be really cool to do around here. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's a great idea. I'm going to send you 20 ukuleles. <laughs> and nice. all of a sudden we had a program on our hands. Um, surprise, more work. Surprise. <laughs> Um, so we were like, okay, this is great. We have 20 ukuleles, but we don't want to just give out ukuleles. You need mm-hmm. a tuner because without a tuner, a person at the, you know, a, you know, a kid isn't going to know what to do mm-hmm. and you need a bag yeah. and we might as well include an instructional book. Yeah. So we applied for and received, um, a state grant from oh. the Pennsylvania council on the arts, which allowed us to go back to Ohana and purchase a few more ukuleles, um, bags for them, tuners. Mm -hmm. And then we also were able to partner with um, Hal Leonard to get an instructional book. Cool. And we also partnered with the Blair County Library System to distribute two ukulele kits to each of the libraries in our county. And we have eight, I believe eight libraries in our county. So that was 16 kits plus a few extras Mm -hmm. for um, other things. And we were able to do it and it was really, really successful. And the checkout rate or the, sorry, I forget what the term is in library land, Mm -hmm. but the average checkout rate for the Ukes is like 90% across the board. They're constantly being checked out. So you need more. We needed more. (laughs) And and we have been able to provide more to libraries who specifically requested them. Mm -hmm. But then the following year we wanted to add um, Ukes to the surrounding counties because um, we wanted, because Blair County is fine, but then we have four other counties around us. We have Mm -hmm. Center County and Huntington and Bedford and Cambria. And we work, we also received grant funding again, and we received some private donations, which allowed us to go back and provide an additional, um, excuse me, um, let's see, what did we end up with? I think it was about another 20 ukuleles. Wow, that's great. That we were were able to distribute so I think we have we've donated uh, ukes to a little over twenty five libraries mm-hmm. um, in our region. So I think there's only five that didn't take the ukuleles for whatever reason. Crazy. But before we donated them, <laughs> well, the, there was a condition. Before we uh, donated them, the condition was that the library at least one librarian from the library had to learn the basics of the ukulele mm-hmm. because what we wanted was someone at that library to advocate for kids mm-hmm. or whoever to play these instruments. We didn't want them just gathering dust on the mm-hmm. shelves because that doesn't do anybody good. Yeah. So some of the libraries, you know, they didn't have somebody to send, mm-hmm. which was sad, but the libraries that sent someone had a great time. They absolutely loved the ukulele. Mm-hmm. And anytime that we're able to provide ukuleles, they're happy to take them because they're always checked out. Mm. Um, the Holidaysburg library where we jam have, I think they have like 12 or 15 ukuleles right now. Mm-hmm. A couple of them are um, in-house only because, mm-hmm. you know, they're a little beat up and stuff. So, but they're constantly checked out. So it's, it's great. Wow. That's awesome. I feel like you have to go to those other libraries and just show them. 
Or I, maybe I think you could so. show, like, hey, these mm. other libraries, they, they're doing a good yeah. job. Because maybe I feel like there's got to be someone in those libraries that is willing to pick it up. We had, right? yeah, there were a couple of cases where this, the director of the library just, for whatever reason, just d- looked down at, you know, mm-hmm. the ukulele. Like, why would we want this in our library? Oh, we're a library. This peasant's instrument. But then, you know, it, you know, and then, you know, in a couple of cases, the person, that person moved on or mm. whatever. And then someone else came in there like, oh, yes, we would like those ukuleles. Mm-hmm. And actually our... Uh, we took our information and put it on our website. Um, some of it, not all of it, mm-hmm. because some it's not exactly a trade secret, but it's yeah. like it's there's nuances to how things were done. Mm-hmm. And like our information, we've worked with other groups to create similar library programs. There's actually a group in, I believe it's Adelaide, Australia, mm-hmm. who modeled their library program on ours and every now and then um the guy i think is i believe his name is rick will Mm -hmm. check in with me and say hey here's how we're doing it's it's really cool to see that we've inspired other groups that's awesome um there's um a group out of forgot what i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) it's that song that uh that jim's playing i don't know if you can hear has anybody seen my gal (laughs) um yeah, Adelaide. So yeah, so and then there's other groups around the country that have you know modeled their programs on mm-hmm. what we came up with, yeah. and it's really cool. I mean, it's it's a, not a not simple thing to do, mm-hmm. but if you have a librarian who's willing to um, work within their system mm-hmm. and a club or an interested party willing to help bring the ukuleles in, it goes really really smoothly, mm. and it doesn't take a lot to make a big impact. That's awesome. Well, that's really inspiring. Uh, I'm kind of thinking maybe we should get some ukuleles in ours. We got some uh, ukuleles donated to our school mm-hmm. um, for our music program. But I feel like, yeah, we can probably expand that a little bit. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. That's a lot of libraries. It is. So uh, speaking of clubs, mm-hmm. how do you run a club? And how, how, do you, how, do, how does your club go? That's a great question. Um, how do you run a club? I don't know. I think I'm still learning that in some ways. <laughs> Somebody wrote a book. Did you read it? I don't think I, I forgot the name offhand. I will put a link in the description. It's called how to start and grow an ukulele club. Something like that. It's like what you would search mm-hmm. on Google. It's basically the exact same wording. I've read it. It's really good. Um, but yeah, like what, how does it go? So, for you? <laughs> Our club start. So I actually didn't start the club. I came in um, as just a potentially interested person. You know, I had a $20 uke I bought off of uh, the internet and I was like, eh, Amanda Palmer plays one. That's pretty cool. (laughs) If I don't like it, eh, I'll give it to my toddler and he'll destroy it and Mm -hmm. I'm no worse off. Um, I'd never played a string instrument before. Mm -hmm. Um, I played, you know, trumpet and tuba and things like that. Um, So it was kind of on a whim that I bought one. And. I went to buy strings for it because I figured that the strings were junk on a $20 ukulele and I saw a poster for this club. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so I went to one of their jams and it was a lot of fun and it was run at the time by a uh, local professor named Steve Sherrill, mm-hmm. um, who's become a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. over the last few years. And he kind of did it just because he thought he was really into the ukulele at the time. And mm. it was... Know, a lot of his friends and some of his students that you know he taught you know they'd come and get together you know once a month mm-hmm. and I and you know, I got involved and then he went to the Ashokan Yuke Festival one year mm. 
and met Lil Rev. And was really, really impressed with Rev and Mm -hmm. invited Rev to Altoona. Mm -hmm. So we had, so he asked me if we could figure out a way to get Rev here. Well, to have a venue for Rev and Mm -hmm. get him here and, you know, for however much we needed to get him here for. And he could sell Mm -hmm. CDs and we'd put him up and treat him nice and Mm -hmm. see how it went from there. And we had an extraordinarily successful event for having absolutely no idea what we were doing. I think we had like 30 some people show up, which was really, really good. Mm. And we had a really good time with Rev and mm-hmm. we were like, maybe we should like do this club thing regularly and like bring in touring artists and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that following spring is when we kind of established a regular, you know, jam club schedule. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we, the soiree, you mm-hmm. know, kind of came in because, uh, you know, we were recruiting for it. Um, but then, you know, Steve has had stepped back after a while cause you know, his teaching duties, uh, needed to, you know, come, uh, and take priority. And also Steve is a, um, eccentric collector of hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for an example, he was making crutch guitars for a little while mm. and ended up with 750 crutches. Wow. Um, <laughs> Oh He's gosh. a really interesting guy. But anyway, so he he decided he needed to step back. And, you know, we both really wanted to see the club keep going. So mm-hmm. he asked me if I'd, you know, kind of step up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll you know, take it on. I guess. So I guess. <laughs> and it and just kind of grew from there. We got together once a month and then it was twice a month. And then we, you know, we made a website. We made a Facebook page mm-hmm. and we have a mailing list. And we're, it's, it's kind of like a weird, uh, weird little ukulele enterprise we have mm-hmm. going. We're actually in the process of uh, becoming a nonprofit. Oh, that's cool. The, the soiree has just gotten so big and we're mm-hmm. doing so many things that it just, it doesn't make sense for us to not be a nonprofit yeah. anymore. So hopefully by this time next year, we'll be officially, you mm-hmm. know, a nonprofit oh, that's great. organization. So are you already planning for next year? Oh my goodness. I, I am a, at least a month into next year's planning. <laughs> Um, can you so share any, like, I, I can, so this or? is going to happen after my official announcement out of the soiree. So our, we're going to move to a bigger venue next year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a hotel and conference center in town in Altoona, um, called the Altoona grand and its capacity is at least three times what we have here. Okay. Um, plus it has, you know, it's a hotel. So we, there's, there's lodging and there's two restaurants on site. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like the restaurants on site, there's, you know, dozens of restaurants, you know, within a short drive. Um, I don't know if in, in any of the other episodes I've described where we are, but we're in a little banquet hall on the side of a mountain with no cell service and no Wi-Fi. <laughs> so we're really in the middle of nowhere. Middle of the forest. It, it's, it's really, you know, remote up here. It's nice. It, it's beautiful <laughs> and it's nice and it's quiet, but there's nothing here. It's like a 10 minute drive back into town. Mm. And it's, so if you need anything, it's, 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 it's a bit of a ways. Just you and Ook. It is. <laughs> Might um, be too much sometimes. <laughs> well, then you can take a nice little stroll out mm-hmm. out through the woods. Um, so anyway, so we're going to move to this larger venue. Mm-hmm. And we've um, lined up um, the Quiet American, Ooh. who, if you're not familiar with them, cool. uh, is a husband and wife duo of Aaron, um, Aaron and Nicole Kime. Mm-hmm. And they are both very into roots music. They're both very established music educators. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron and Nicole both worked for uh, as um, a, Aaron was a builder of my MOA. Nicole did some of the 
um, other components of MyMoe. And MyMoe mm-hmm. is a f- fairly well-renowned uh, ukulele maker mm-hmm. who are, they're just now retiring. Yeah. And Aaron is spinning back up his own um, ukulele company, mm-hmm. uh, Beansprout. Beansprout. Yep. Um, he made it before MyMoe, during MyMoe, and now they're spinning him off back into his own company. Mm-hmm. And we're really looking forward to having him and Nicole because awesome. they're, they're amazing educators. Aaron has a great YouTube channel with mm-hmm. super helpful tutorials. Uh, they yeah. write their own books. Uh, Nicole illustrates all of them and yeah. hand writes the they're notes beautiful. and the tabulature. And it, the amount of effort that goes into them is really impressive. And we're really excited to have them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, it's going to be something to look forward to. Make sure you uh, buy your tickets now even though you probably can't yet <laughs> just keep hitting refresh. It'll, it'll happen. Like I said, we usually open registration around October, November. Mm, okay. We want to make sure we have a good lineup before we're ready to, yeah. um, but we're looking. So one of the um, issue, not issues, but one of the restrictions of being here is we have that very small capacity. Mm-hmm. So we can only sell so many tickets and we can't have people just kind of show up. Yeah. Um, so we're really looking forward to being able to just kind of have drop in classes. So mm. um, the, our beginners track right now, it's four specific classes mm-hmm. and you, you know, it's one after another. But maybe next year we'll be able to change up the format a little bit and it'll be you can just, you know, take a class or, you know, yeah. take the whole series and mm-hmm. you'll just be able to come in and do whatever That's you cool. want. We'll be able to have more vendors. Hmm. It'll be, you know, we can maybe we're expecting to to be about 175, maybe a 200 person festival next year. It's going to be bananas. It's going to be great. (laughs) So chief ukulele evangelists, how many ukuleles do you own? That I personally own. Yeah, you can't count the ones in the vendor room. Well, no, because (laughs) I, I also keep. I am also in possession of the club's loaner ukes, ah, okay. the club's demo ukes. Those, my those my kid has a couple of ukes. That's not yours. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The ones that I personally own, I think I uh, I, I think I have about twelve. Wow. Without okay. going back in, in are counting. any of them similar enough that someone other than you could use that against you to try and sell it, like? These two sopranos are both mahogany. Oh no, 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 no. I so I have I justify my collection. I have I have some several several very nice ukuleles. I have mm-hmm. a pair of um tenor mimoes mm-hmm. um which I had custom made. Nice. And they're they're gorgeous and I love them. But I also have um um ohanas and kalas mm-hmm. and I have a magic fluke which mm-hmm. I love. And they all serve their own purposes. Yeah. Um some of the We'll call them lower end laminates. They're they're not they're not they're not bad ukes. The cheapos. <laughs> you know what? They play great and they sound great. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but right, I bring right. them whenever I do a work a ukulele workshop mm-hmm. or I'm teaching somebody ukulele. Those are the ones I'll bring because I don't have to worry about them getting you know Cheetos on it. Yeah, like if <laughs> if if they get a ding in them, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they sound fine and they play well. Yeah. So I justify having some of those. So I have a handful of sopranos and I have a handful of concerts mm. and like, you know, like concerts, I have a concert fluke and I have a thin line call concert, which is, has a really great sound mm-hmm. and it's, you know, only, you know, yay big. It's like an inch and a half yeah. thick. And, you know, I have, let's see, what else do I have? I have, I have a, my, I still have my first, um, tenor. It's a uh, call spalted maple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a laminate, but it's gorgeous. It has a nice mm-hmm. sound. And then I have a tenor eight string from Kala and mm-hmm. I have, nice. 
I have the two my moes, and then I have a baritone that was given to me by a family friend. Oh, so it was uh, a friend, a very good friend of my mother's. It was hers when she was learning to play, like pre guitar in like mm-hmm. fourth grade or something like that. So, yeah. so you know, it's a little bit of sentimental value. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's always new ukuleles to collect. I mean, well, you know, the the proper number of ukuleles is one more plus one, and yep, yeah, and plus one ukuleles, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I don't personally own a uh, a pineapple. I don't yeah, own a I think redwood a pineapple top or something. Kamaka in the vendor room. <laughs> I don't own a kamaka. I don't. There's a kamaka I don't own a K the... brand yet. <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty incredible. Um, I don't know if Pono counts as a K brand. It starts with a P, obviously, but it's made by Koolau. Yeah. Well. Ponos are my first expensive ukulele love. Yeah. There's a uh, maker here today um, who was recommended to me by someone out of the Baltimore Ukulele oh, Club, yeah. Dewdrop Ukuleles. Mm-hmm. And his ukuleles are really, really cool. They're mm-hmm. dewdrop shaped. Yeah. And they're not, but they're not just like a, a round body. They're mm-hmm. like... I don't even know how to describe it. It's this really interesting geometric shape. It's, mm-hmm. it's tw- like the sides are twisted back and it's, yeah. it's super duper cool. Really but cool. my wife would absolutely kill me if I came home with another ukulele today. Just but her, he, I'm selling uh, one. Yeah, right. That's not going to work. <laughs> uh, but he does take orders. So, you know, in the future, cool. who knows? So um, that's another benefit of coming here. You can check out Dewdrop Ukuleles, or you can just come to the soiree next year. Yeah. If you can't wait a year, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> anyway, well, Mike, it's been great talking to you. It's been awesome, um, Mike. Really awesome workshop that uh, you're putting on here and your team. Thank you for uh, having me. Thank you for coming. This has been great. So that's going to do it for this episode and the soiree special. It's kind of bittersweet that it is ending. I had so much fun, like I said, so many times. Um, If you want to go, just keep an eye out. They probably will sell out because it is an awesome festival. It is in Pennsylvania, kind of near Pittsburgh. So if you're flying in, that's probably the city you want to go to. Um, I drove, it took about five hours from where I am and it's totally worth it. Definitely worth the trip. Keep an eye out. The Quiet American will be playing next year and they are an awesome duo. And, um, yeah, let me know what you thought about this whole series, the podcast in general. Um, if you really want to help the show, you can give me a rating, subscribe, share it with a friend. And of course you can become a patron and, uh, yeah, just make something great together. So I just want to thank you one last time. I hope you aren't sick of me thanking you. I can't thank you enough. This has gone on long enough. How many minutes is... Oh my goodness. Okay, well, uh, can't wait to talk to you again next month. I'll see you later. Aloha. Ooga, ooga, ooga.